Move Forward Radio is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at MoveForwardPT.com. You're listening to Move Forward Radio, a podcast featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts with advice on how you can move forward. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Eric Rees. Most everyone is familiar with the devastating cognitive effects of Alzheimer's disease. In fact, far too many of us have witnessed firsthand in family members and other loved ones the sad, steady, and relentless march of this irreversible brain disorder as it destroys memory and thinking skills. But what about the physical effects of the disease, which also are pronounced, but in many people's minds are a relative afterthought? The fact is, the physical effects of Alzheimer's can be meaningfully addressed, with significant implications for the quality of life of both those afflicted with the disease and their caregivers. Not only that, but regular exercise, research shows, can actually improve memory in individuals with Alzheimer's, and in people who aren't yet symptomatic, it may delay the onset of Alzheimer's in dementia. Here to talk about all this is Jennifer Nash, a physical therapist who is a board-certified clinical specialist in neurologic physical therapy and a certified dementia practitioner. She concedes that it may be counterintuitive to see people with advancing dementia as being great candidates for beneficial physical therapy, but she'll share with us the reasons that that's indeed so. Let's get started. So, Jennifer, we're going to talk about an aspect of Alzheimer's disease that, that tends to get overlooked, and, and that's the associated physical decline, which, which actually can be meaningfully addressed with, with real quality of life implications. But uh, So, first of all, I wanted to ask you, you're a board-certified clinical specialist in neurologic physical therapy, and you're also a certified dementia practitioner. So to sort of establish from the get-goes your, your credential with regard to what we're going to be talking about in today's discussion, can you tell us a little bit more about what those certifications entail and, and sort of how the knowledge and skills that they require complement the knowledge and skills you already have as a licensed physical therapist? Good morning, Eric, and thank you for inviting me to speak with you today. I'll start by saying I've been a PT for over 20 years. Since I moved to Las Vegas in 2008, I have focused specifically on patients with vestibular as well as neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's disease. In 2012, I became um, the founding manager of the Neuro Rehabilitation Clinic at an outpatient clinic here called the Cleveland Clinic Lou Raveau Center for Brain Health. Our founding director, Dr. Jeff Cummings, is a pioneer in his field, and he quickly grew the clinical trials at our site to be the largest in the world for Alzheimer's research. I also think we're one of the first clinics in Las Vegas and maybe even the country to focus on seeing all of our patients once they were diagnosed on the spectrum of Alzheimer's disease, whether it was before cognitive symptoms, early on, or even in advanced stages for physical therapy. A few years ago, I transitioned um, to a position where I teach now mainly at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, in their Doctoral of Physical Therapy program, and teach neurorehabilitation and geriatric courses. So as far as uh, my specialty certification, I've been board-certified clinical specialist in neurologic physical therapy for 13 years of my 20 years in practice. To become a clinical specialist, you must demonstrate that you have extensive experience treating the neurologic population and pass a rigorous exam. And then to maintain those credentials, 
I've had to recertify through an extensive portfolio process after 10 years, and then recently, again, after three years, needed to demonstrate continued patient care hours, um, the teaching peers and students of physical therapy, as well as I needed to provide them with an evidence-based case study with significant self-reflection on a patient that I had seen. So these skills, focusing 20 years treating patients with neurologic diagnoses, has really helped be the clinician I am today. Additionally, for the certified dementia practitioner, I attended a multidisciplinary continuing education course and took an exam demonstrating my knowledge in working with patients who have dementia. This course it discusses communication strategies, identification and pain of, of those who can't communicate, say those with Alzheimer's disease, and other biopsychosocial aspects of care for the patients with dementia as well as their care partners. So you're a certified uh, multiple sclerosis specialist, and, and you're trained in vestibular rehab, and, some, and, you're, and you're also trained in something called rock-steady boxing for people with Parkinson's disease and a particular stroke rehabilitation approach that's called NDT. You clearly have a huge interest in and a passion for, for helping people with neurological issues. I wanted to ask you, Jennifer, uh, where did that come from? How early in your life or career did you know that this was the professional direction that you wanted to take? I knew just a few years after I began practicing. Initially, I worked at a level one trauma facility, which was a huge hospital system that had all levels of patient care. I worked in the ICU, the lumetry, the ortho trauma floors, total joint center, outpatient home health, as well as inpatient rehabilitation. I would say about three years into my career, when I moved into the inpatient rehabilitation facility, I knew I'd found my passion. I was working with people who had significant life events occur, whether it was a stroke, um, an accident, where they had traumatic brain injury, um, or even a spinal cord injury. And it immediately and significantly made an impact in me because I was able to help those lives that were changed in an instant. I felt so blessed that I possessed the skills to help them you know, find their way back to their lives. Now, once I arrived in Las Vegas 10 years ago, I was extremely fortunate to be able to work closely with hundreds of patients with neurodegenerative diseases, such as Parkinson's disease, Huntington's disease, um, multiple sclerosis, and then, of course, dementia. These patients become to have a very special place in my heart, as well as the, those with, that are caring for them. And I just always look to, uh, to improve myself and search out new information to help the patients that I'm currently working with more effectively and efficiently. So I guess you could say I'm a lifelong learner. <laughs> The American Physical Therapy Association uh, devotes an entire uh, webpage on its consumer site, MoveForwardPT.com, to the subject of Alzheimer's disease and specifically to the role that physical therapists can and ideally should be playing in helping to improve the lives of both those who have the disease and their caregivers. Uh, but I think it's safe to say that, uh, that physical therapy isn't the first thing that most people think of when it comes to Alzheimer's. The, the tendency is to focus on the, uh, the cognitive decline rather than the disease's physical effects. So can uh, we start the, the conversation about Alzheimer's in particular by talking about those physical effects and how they tend to manifest and evolve over time? So physical performance degrades in many ways. Gait speed or their walking speed slows. 
their gait variability or their differences in left and right steps when they're walking increases. Their leg strength or power decreases. And this gait variability and speed is actually a biomarker for fall risks. We identify that as a significant risk factor for falling. As physical therapists, we use several core measures identified by the APTA to, to understand who needs our help and intervene where we can. Additionally, we also use tools that we're able to understand if they are fearful of falling. And with they, those who are less confident in their balance actually have an increased risk of falling. But research has shown us that early pathology affects the automaticity of walking. And that's why we often see changes in walking and their walking speed years before we even see any cognitive impairment. You've talked about fall risk, but um, before we talk about the, uh, the types of things that you and other PTs specifically can do to address those physical issues, uh, talk to me about what some of the biggest dangers are of not sufficiently addressing physical decline associated with Alzheimer's disease. Uh, obviously, falls risk is one. Are, are, are there other things as well? Well, let me just underscore falls. Um, the biggest danger of not sufficiently addressing the physical decline that's associated with Alzheimer's disease is falls. So each year, you know, millions of older adults, so I say that as those who are 65 and older, fall. You know, in fact, more than one out of four older adults fall each year. But then older adults with dementia actually fall two to three times more frequently than their cognitively healthy counterparts. So this reduced gait, speed, and stride length really predict this falls, and specifically those with in older adults who have mild to moderate dementia. So it is a significant danger. And the reason is one out of five falls actually cause serious injuries, such as broken bones or a head injury. You know, one of the most serious fall injuries is a broken hip, and it's hard to recover from a hip fracture. And afterwards, many people are not able to live on their own. Additionally, many people who fall, even if they're not injured, become afraid of falling. And this fear may cause a person to cut down on their everyday activities. And when a person is less active, you know, they become weaker. And this is an increase, then increases their chance of falling. I would say another big danger of not sufficiently addressing the physical decline associated with Alzheimer's disease is increased caregiver burden. You know, currently there are over 47 million people with dementia in the world, the great majority of whom are cared for by their family members. And people, you know, will say dementia family caregivers tend to be significantly more stressed than non-dementia caregivers. And they suffer more serious depressive symptoms and physical problems. You know, the caregivers actually who are heavenly burdened usually opt to institutionalize their relative as a role exit plan. And so not only that, but we also know in another U.S. study that caregiver depression symptoms were found to be the most constant predictor of increases in healthcare costs over an average two-year period, in including the costs um, from the use of over-the-counter drugs. So as we head into, let's say, this uh, dementia tsunami, the burden on health and social care systems um, are continuing to be escalated, you know, unless these family caregivers are properly supported. And one way we can help support them is keeping their loved ones, the patients with dementia, 
physically able. So what you're saying is there are, there are societal costs that one might not tend to think of that, that extend well beyond just uh, the the physical help that you can that you can give to the, these uh, these people who have Alzheimer's. Absolutely. A quick break to tell you about Choose PT, the American Physical Therapy Association's national public awareness campaign. America is currently in the grips of an opioid epidemic. In some situations, dosed appropriately. Prescription opioids are an appropriate part of medical treatment. But opioids only mask the sensation of pain, and opioid risks include depression, overdose, addiction, and withdrawal. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is urging healthcare providers to reduce the use of opioids in favor of safer alternatives like physical therapy for treating pain. Learn how a physical therapist can help you at moveforwardpt.com slash choosept. And now... Back to this episode of Move Forward Radio. There's a section on uh, APTA's consumer resource uh, uh, on its website uh, about Alzheimer's that I believe that you had uh, you had worked on, and it, and it asks the question, how can a physical therapist help? And, and the short answer there is that the research shows that shows three things. The first is that physical activity can improve, actually improve memory. Uh, the second thing is that regular exercise may delay decline in ability to perform activities of daily living. And the, and the third and final thing is, for those who aren't yet symptomatic, regular exercise may delay the onset of Alzheimer's disease and, and dementia. And so, Jennifer, I'd like to ask you about each of those things in turn. But So, first of all, physical activity can improve memory. How so? To what degree? And what's the PT's role in that? Yes, physical, physical activity, I should say, can improve memory. Exercise is actually known to stimulate biomolecules in the brain, such as BDNF, which stands for brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which means growth factor, as well as another molecule with a long name, I'll say FNDC5 for short. And these both work to prevent the neurodegeneration in the brain. Exercise promotes three main mechanisms in the brain. Number one, it reduces brain damage from vascular or neurotoxic and oxidative stress. It also reduces brain inflammation and helps to increase our brain cognitive reserve. Additionally, research has shown us that an antioxidant-enriched diet and regular exercise reduces the toxic radicals in our brain, enhances mitochondrial function and synaptic activity, so improves the nerves activity, as well then improves cognitive function. So our role is very significant because we have many um, observational studies that have identified modifiable risk factors for Alzheimer's disease. And several randomized control trials, such as the FINGER study and the ENLIGHTENED trial, show that proactive risk factor modification can positively affect a patient's cognition and health outcomes. One significant risk factor is physical inactivity. So the second thing would be regular exercise may delay decline in ability to perform activities of daily living. Uh, first of all, just uh, for people who maybe are not familiar with the term, what, what are we talking about when we're talking about activities of daily living? What, what are some of those? So we divide them up. Uh, First, instrumental activities of daily living are driving, um, managing your finances, working outside the home, shopping, cooking, and medication management. So people with prodromal Alzheimer's disease or what we often call as mild cognitive impairment struggle with these activities. 
But then there's also basic activities of daily living. And these are tasks that are performed by individuals on a daily basis that are essential to our independent living. The five ADLs are known as bathing, so personal hygiene and grooming, dressing, so dressing and undressing, um, transferring, being able to move in and out of bed and chairs, toileting, including being able to control it and hygiene of it, as well as eating, preparing food and feeding. So to be diagnosed with dementia, you actually need assistance of another person to complete these tasks. So what types of regular exercise can be helpful in this regard? A person's regular exercise routine should consist of at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity aerobic exercise. That means a person would want to rate the, the intensity that they're exercising as like a 5 or 6 out of 10 on what physical therapists call a Borg scale or a perceived exertional scale. This breakdown is frequently suggested um, to be 30 minutes of that moderate intensity aerobic exercise five days a week. And a variety of exercises is also important. So an example might be you know, play pickleball one day, maybe do a, a walking or jogging the other day, uh, swimming maybe another day, uh, gardening or riding a bike on that fourth day. So if people do these things, what kinds of uh, results might they hope to achieve? Well, again, aerobic exercise stimulates those neurotrophic factors, so those growth factors in the brain, making new neurons and protecting against neurodegeneration that leads to Alzheimer's disease. The third thing in that list was, was regular exercise may actually delay Alzheimer's onset. Um, first of all, can you talk a little bit about what the research suggests might be behind that cause and effect? Sure. Well, the research is, is showing that we are able to um, delay the degeneration to a point where we're still active and able to um, maintain cognitive function. You know, a person at any age can benefit from even one bout of exercise, never too late. Um, and then the exercise is never too small. I've given guidelines as what we feel is um, necessary and appropriate minimums. But starting at any spot uh, a person can is beneficial to them. And then it's our role as a physical therapist, you know, to really be here uh, to access um, and assess their movement and be able to help them set realistic and challenging goals to optimize their quality of life. Can you talk a little bit about the the role that you play with uh, with the caregivers? I mean, what I'm thinking when you're talking about all this is these are uh, we're, we're talking about people who have some cognitive impairment. How much more difficult does that make your role as a physical therapist in terms of things that PTs normally deal with with patients, which is in terms of patient understanding of what they're being asked and patient compliance with the exercise you're prescribing and so on. How does all that work with someone who has a degree of dementia in terms of working with their caregivers and others to ensure that they get the physical uh, results that you're, that you're looking for from physical therapy? Yeah, that's a great question, and that can be challenging at times for sure. We definitely encourage um, earlier referrals to a physical therapist so that we can work with a patient um, before significant cognitive impairment is occurring. And we'll, we'll work with them and their caregiver to make sure not only that they're doing aerobic exercise, but balance and flexibility, as well as strengthening. But, but then how do you implement those programs? It oftentimes 
takes that caregiver or care partner to participate as well. Or other things that we like to do at the Cleveland Clinic is provide exercise classes so that once we have um, individually assessed, worked with a patient, then we can refer them to community exercise classes and allow them to participate with others um, socially and physically and, and mentally similar to themselves, which tends to be motivating and we often find increased engagement in those situations. So it sounds like in everything that you're saying, uh, basically the key is to, to start doing this stuff uh, as early as, as possible. Is, is that uh, is that a kind of a correct summation? Absolutely correct, yes. Jennifer, I'm wondering, uh, you've been doing this for, for, for a long time. Can you perhaps share a couple of stories about the ways in which you or, or other PTs uh, uh, that, who you've observed uh, were, were able to make a, sort of a significant impact on the lives of uh, people with Alzheimer's uh, and perhaps their caregivers as well and, and sort of help improve their quality of life in a, in a way that was, uh, that was meaningful to them and, and gratifying to you? Uh, when you ask that question, immediately um, one lady comes to mind, and her name is Bibi. She was a lovely 85-year-old school teacher from New York. Uh, we're treating her here in Las Vegas. Her daughter actually brought her to us because she was falling. She spent her days at a, a memory daycare center and while her daughter was at work and was reported to often sit for hours on end. We had to be a bit creative with her to motivate her to move. But once we realized how much she loved baseball, it was actually quite easy to get her engaged. You could often see us simulating a tense game tied in the ninth inning to get her moving. Hmm. Um, she stopped falling after physical therapy intervention and increased her spontaneous physical activity, which all made us quite emotional. Her daughter was so grateful that she felt like her mom really – perked up again and was able to be more interactive with her environment. And then Robert, I need to talk about Robert because he was a special guy too. He's a retired police officer. We often enduringly called him our gentle giant. He was larger than all of us at the clinic, nearly seven foot and like 300 pounds with significant perceptual deficits. But he worked so hard every session because he wanted to be stronger for his wife. If they were, you know, they struggled at home, but they worked well as a team as best they could. We helped keep them both safe, you know, through the stages of dementia and educated them along the way on either special techniques or advanced, uh, I'm sorry, assistive devices to make their lives easier at home. When it was time, we were, we were also able to train his assistants, you know, that they hired to help take care of Robert and ensure Robert and these caregivers remain safe and all of his needs were met. Well, I, I wanted to ask you just a little bit of follow-up on, on Robert. Could you, could you give us a sense of maybe one or two of the things that he was able to do or perhaps able to do longer as a result of his interaction uh, with rehabilitation and physical therapy uh, than, you know, that might have been the case otherwise? He was able to transfer and take, you know, do small bouts of walking, which helped facilitate caring for him at the house. He had significant problems understanding where he was in space in relation to his environment. And so it took definitely very, several creative minds to come up with different techniques that we were able to teach him and his wife to problem solve small areas in their bathroom, 
you know, the turning to sit down on the toilet or the um, walking from the kitchen table to the the dining room, I'm sorry, the living room that caused him significant problems. But we were able to problem solve those issues, so he was able to stay at home um, through his entire, you know, through the rest of his life. So is, is there anything that we, we haven't discussed at this point that, uh, that you'd, you'd like to, to share with listeners before we, we kind of start winding things down? Yeah, I mentioned that, you know, there are modifiable risk factors for Alzheimer's disease, and there's nine of them. And these include education, hypertension, obesity, hearing loss, uh, de- depression, diabetes, physical activity, smoking, and social isolation. So continuing to learn, consuming a healthy Mediterranean diet, engaging socially, having regular hearing checks, stop smoking, and being active are ways to reduce your risks of Alzheimer's disease. Physical exercise is so important, and the topic and it's the topic today because. It really works to combat several of these risk factors at once. Physical therapists are integral to the care of a person with Alzheimer's disease, as we're called movement experts. You know, our charge as physical therapy professionals is to transform society by optimizing movement um, to improve the human experience. And we consider the morbidity of Alzheimer's disease, the public impact, and the growing acceptance um, that preventable care can provide, it is worthwhile for clinicians as well as patients to make sure that we are interacting so that physical therapists can provide risk reduction to these tens of millions of patients in need. Well, when you, when you talk about physical therapy's needs, that, that kind of segues, uh, or, or what physical therapy can do, that kind of segues nicely into my, my last question, which was going to be, Jennifer, what's your advice to people uh, who either have recently been diagnosed with Alzheimer's or, or know someone who has, or perhaps have a loved one who has, in terms of ensuring that that physical aspect of the disease gets proper uh, attention and that, uh, and that physical therapy uh, is appropriately involved? I would say that the lasting impression should be one that emphasizes that physical activity is essential. You know, the the different durations, intensities, and forms of exercise may contribute unique benefits to the brain. Long-term, consistent exercise provides the greatest and longest-lasting benefits. Individual persons with, you know, individual limitations to the type of exercises they can do and possibly restricted by age or mobility may occur, but that's what physical therapists are best suited to help with. Precision medicine, defined by the National Institutes of Health, is an approach to patient care where it accounts for each person's genes, their environment, and lifestyle um, to individualize the disease treatment and prevention. And so it's possible that sex and their gene differences may influence the degree to which exercise can help the different systems, particularly in the brain. Um, And we do need more research on this area. But nonetheless, there is a great body of evidence that demonstrates that active lifestyle bestows a diverse set of benefits that can really mitigate these age-related changes in the brain that contribute to cognitive decline. So I would say to those people who have recently been diagnosed or know someone who is, to seek expert guidance from physical therapists. 
incorporate a variety of physical activities. They say four is a great number to target that you enjoy. And to find a buddy to exercise with to provide not only accountability, but to help create a consistent, fun, and social routine that you will stick with. Lastly, I would say not only to challenge yourself physically, but also mentally. And we want to continue to increase our cognitive reserve. So never stop learning, never stop challenging yourself, and together we can help each other move forward. Well, it sounds like that's a, that's a philosophy that you've uh, that you've adopted for your for your own professional pursuits as well. Absolutely. Okay. Well, uh, Jennifer Nash, uh, thank you so much for uh, sharing your insights with us uh, on Move Forward Radio. We've uh, really appreciated the discussion. Thanks. Thanks, Eric. You've been listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guest is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or find previous episodes at moveforwardpt.com. Move Forward Radio is brought to you by moveforwardpt.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at moveforwardpt.com.